0: Remember renting movies from a local video store? The perfect video store.
1: Welcome to Blockbuster Video.
0: Is popping up all over the country. You remember owning membership cards, dealing with late fees, and driving to several stores for the latest
2: release? Right now, rent Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Cobra for just a dollar a day each.
0: Then sit back and listen to the stories of the men and women who were on the front lines of video stores in their heyday.
3: Friendly people. Fast computerized checkout, Free membership.
0: And all our rentals are for three days, two nights. This is Rental Return, Tales from the Video Store.
2: Hi, my name's Joe Corey. I worked at the video plaza on Kildare Farms Road in Cary, North Carolina, next to Raleigh, North Carolina, and I lasted there somewhere between 1993 and 1994
4: hey guys thanks for having me on the show this is brian i am here to talk about my memories of uh, working at a place called hollywood video in a suburb of the boston area from about 1998 to 2000.
5: hey this is matthew corey i worked at the video bar in cary north carolina back in uh, the summer of 1993 and
6: 94. hi my name is mark dewitt from holland michigan i was a operator for 10 Blockbuster stores from 1989 to 1992.
7: My name is Colin Fitzpatrick. I worked at the Mission Viejo, California
3: location of Blockbuster Video in 2003. My name is W. Axel Foley, also known as Bill or Billy Foley, and I worked at the greatest video store ever in existence. World of Video at 51 Greenwich Avenue in Manhattan from 2001 until 2007.
8: Hey, this is William Lanham and uh, I worked at Blockbuster from 2005 to 2009 in Jacksonville,
1: Florida. Hi, I'm Barbara Rourke. I worked at Premier Video in Clinton, New Jersey and Princeton, New Jersey from 2000 to 2007.
9: I'm Brandon Myers, and I worked at Blockbuster Video in Millington, Tennessee from February 2001 to the end of 2002.
10: My name is Alan Smith. I'm in Madison, Tennessee, and I worked for Movie Gallery from May of 1998 until May of
0: 1999. Season two, episode four, Videoland Maniacs. What
11: were some of your craziest customer interactions?
4: One of my absolute craziest was we had a gentleman come in, and he came up to me, and, and he looked a little little strange, let me let's just say. And he called me over, kind of waved me over with his finger. And I remember, you know, truth be told, I was a kid. I was 16, 16 and a half years old. I hadn't gotten used to working with folks like this yet. So he asked me directly, and I'll do his impersonation. He says, kid, where's the skin flex? And I looked at him, I said... Excuse me? How can I help? You know, what, what are you trying to ask me? And he said repeated himself. He said, where can I find the skin flicks? Obviously, he was referring to the adult section that many video stores have. And I felt so bad. I still didn't understand what he was trying to get at. I must have been so naive at the time. Obviously, I knew there were adult movies, but I never had heard that phrasing before. And he had to clarify what he wanted. he said, the, the nudie films, the nudie films. And I said, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I couldn't believe it. We didn't have a an adult section. Though we had R-rated movies uh, with nudity and and expletives, we did not have an adult section because we were branded as a family store. So honestly, it was, uh, uh, I had to let him down easily and say, I'm sorry, we don't have anything like that here. And if he had wanted something like that, I directed him to a nearby video store that did have that kind of section. But yeah, that was uh, as a 16, 16 and a half year old kid, I was like, oh my god, what am I? one of i got myself into but i never forgot that that gentleman came in and i sure hope he found what he was looking for at the other place
3: well i mean it's new york you know what i mean like i think that's all i have to say naked people (laughs) one time somebody in the store and not in the bathroom people like going down into the basement when they shouldn't um i'm not going to highlight i don't i don't you know i wouldn't highlight some of the porn stuff because i don't want to in a sense like make fun of it or eyes that or in any way because i never felt that way i treated every customer like a customer i don't care if they were renting porn or you know godard or whatever it really didn't matter to me they're a person and whatever you know
2: the bookstore that was next door there was 3 steps down to get from the bookstore to the video store. And I hate to say it, that reflected the customers. The customer experience really did take a dive when I went to the video store. <laughs> it was I remember cuz it was after I quit working at the video store, I, I I went to go see Clerks and there's that scene where that woman waves the tape in front of Randall and goes, right. "Is this good?" And that happened every day. And I remember my answer always is, I don't know. What do you like? You know, it's like there's there's a whole write-up on the back of the box, and they could not read that. It was hilarious. It was like, there's a summary there. You can read it. And, you know, I worked at the bookstore, and people would look at the book. They would flip through it. They would look at the dust jacket and read the summary and stuff. Occasionally, people come in and so say, like, I got to get a gift for someone. What should I do? And I'm like, oh, let me – they like this. And that was the good part. They would say, they like this. And I could say, yes, you need to take her to this. You need to get her something from, you know, Goosebumps. Or you need to get this cookbook. Or you need to get this, you know, romance novel or something that's popular. But I could do that. But, you know, is this good? And you're just like, I don't know. And I remember getting cussed out one time. Not really severely cussed out. By this woman who was upset that we only had one copy of Puppet Master 5. Because there's so many people who want to see what happened... At the end of puppet master and they need this tape and i'm like i can call you when it comes in it should be here tomorrow no i need to know now it was just like your life depended on puppet master five so that that was kind of a a a strange one
8: there was customers come up to me and like uh what new movie you got man i'm like well uh here's the list back here because we have like a list of like new releases on behind the like on the board that just came out Sometimes when I would go out there and like show them stuff, they'd be like, I seen it, I seen it, I seen it,
6: I seen
1: it. <laughs> At the Clinton store, there was a guy who used to come in, um, speaking in the adult section. He used to come in and I believe he was a, a judge maybe, like a local judge. And the dude had bushy, gray, white eyebrows. And he would come in and he'd always rent porn and he would sort of like talk to the girls that worked there and i looked at them as like a sister so i was like dude what are you doing and he would come up to them and you know kind of like raise his eyebrows like hey hey," you know and talk about what new training films do you have and it's like dude you're gross you know (laughs) what what are you doing you know
10: we had this one customer i do not know what his name is i can close my eyes and still see him to this day kind of um are you familiar with the smothers brothers sure Okay, uh, was it Tommy Smothers, the dark-haired one with the mustache? Uh, I, think uh, was,
11: I think that was I think Dick. All right, was, was Dick, okay. Yeah, Tommy was the yo-yo man. Tommy
10: was the other guy. Said, okay, so yeah. he, he looked like Dick Smothers. Like, he, he had that kind of, okay, he, he wore glasses, you know, type stuff. And he would come in, when we would see him, we'd see him every, I don't know, every couple weeks or so. He would come in, and it was obvious he had just gotten off work because he was still in his work clothes, you know, khakis and button-up shirt and all that kind of stuff. And he would go right straight to the adult room, and he would come back, like, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes later or whatever, and he would always have four of them. And the reason why is because we had a deal, like, if you rented four, you got a better discount on it or whatever, you know, type stuff. And, like, clockwork, two hours later, he would come back, and he was always wearing just a white T-shirt, and he still had, like, his dress pants on or whatever and he would come in and put them on the counter and turn around and go back out
11: (laughs) that was just his routine
10: that was his routine you know and it was like and i started doing calculations like how much money he was spending you know (laughs) like and okay he only had two hours there's four movies here okay This isn't like uh, with internet form where you can just kind of scrub, you know, or whatever it is. It's like, no, you have to actually sit there and like fast forward and stop and fast forward and stop or whatever it is that you're doing. I'm not going to speculate, but it's still (laughs) one of those things where it's like we were always because everybody that worked there knew this guy. You know, it was just like, what's going? what, What is he doing? Our best hypothesis was that what he was doing is that he had multiple VCRs at home and he was recording them. Because that would give just about the right amount of time to be able to. You know, you, if you if you have a setup, if you if you, you know, which at that time VCRs weren't that expensive. If you had a setup where you had eight VCRs, you could be recording four movies at one time. That's the only thing that we came up with.
9: I think the one that always has stuck in my mind was the day the first Lord of the Rings movie was released, we popped it in on the TVs. We typically had a either VHS or a DVD of blockbuster trailers and news and commercials that would play. But occasionally, if we had a movie that wasn't rated R, we could put it in and just have it on in the TV. So we had chosen Lord of the Rings. I was not a big Lord of the Rings fan, so I wanted to see it. I thought like, this is a good way for me to check it out a little bit and see if I want to rent this movie. And it was a Saturday afternoon, so it was somewhat busy, and most people were really excited. And it would generate rentals. People would see it and be like, I want to watch this movie, so let me go rent it. I did have a lady come up to me, though, and accuse me of trying to convert her daughter to the devil because I was playing (laughs) Satan's film, (laughs) and that I should be ashamed of myself, and that this was not appropriate at all. Surprisingly, I don't think she actually complained past me, but she did to make me feel really really bad and I I did apologize to her that wasn't my intention but you know nobody else was complaining
6: so the customers that were a little crazy were the art house types so these are the ones that would go to the foreign section they would say you know do you have chocolat or do you i can't even name these films but and then they'd look down their nose and say well how could you not have this french film with you know english subtitles said, well, it doesn't really rent that well. (laughs) But we tried to have a good spread. But, yeah, they were interesting types.
7: You know, this particular store was in a very, uh, what do you call that, like, like, a very fancy-pantsy part of town. It was, you know, in a very nice neighborhood, and there weren't really any creepies or anything like that, and honestly, I think because of the location we were in, a lot of people were just in and out. It was kind of like a there weren't really many people who would, like, stay in the store for hours and hours and hang out for a while. Like, this was a particular store where people were just kind of drop in, drop out, and if they were, quote-unquote, lurking, it was just, you know, Friday night, Saturday night, typical for people to be hanging out for a while. I remember at a few other jobs I've had creepies and lurkers and things like that, but not not, not so much at Blockbuster. It had a poor... I think that kind of was a testament to the store, is it kind of had a more family-friendly vibe. You know, it was more of a friendly vibe, you know? It wasn't necessarily a creepy place to go. It was always well-lit, you know? Blackbuster wasn't a dingy, hole-in-the-wall kind of a place to go. It was kind of a, you know, safe vibe.
1: I had a few celebrity encounters at both stores.
7: Um, Really? In Clinton,
1: yeah, yeah. In Clinton, there was a guy who used to come in, we had a laundromat next door, so we would have a lot of people coming to do their laundry and then, you know, just perusing. They wouldn't even rent anything, you know, or maybe they'd rent some kid's tape if they came in with their kid. Um, this guy would come in, and he looked like a rock star. You, you just look at him, and you're like, that dude's in a band. And he had a big afro, you know, horn rim glasses, and he would come in with his kid. And, you know, I would never ask him, hey, are you in a band? But, you know, we would make small talk when he would come in, and then um, and you know this was a few times seeing him and then if I don't know when it was but really late at night uh, last call with Carson Daly was on NBC and the band TV on the radio was on and it was their guitar player Kip. so then he came in again I was like hey it's like I saw you on Carson Daly like yeah that was weird (laughs) (laughs) but then also there was an NBA player a local um, sort of hero he was on the New Jersey Nets Jason Williams and he was pretty well known in the area. He used to do a lot of charitable work and let local kids come in and play on his court at his house, which was, you know, the next town over from from where I grew up. And he actually remembered me from working at the video store or at the movie theater. And he would come in again, usually towards closing, and he would special order stuff. I remember he special ordered a penitentiary two, the one with Mr. T. And I was like, yeah, yeah, the one Mr. T's like, yeah, that's right, that's right. And all of a sudden we got to know him pretty well, you know, when he would come in and somewhere it was a Valentine's Day, maybe 2001, 2002 or so. He was in the news for shooting his limo driver. Whoa. And and trying to cover it up. And I mean, it was a big mess. Of course, you know, all of us were shocked because we're like, Jason Williams? And you know, we looked at, like, the last movies that he had rented, and one of them was, like, Faces of Death. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. He was in a dark place. Yeah, he was in a dark place. And then in, in Princeton, Dr. Cornell West, because um, obviously we're in Princeton, he teaches at Princeton University. He came in a few times and, and again, special ordered some Disney movie for his, his kid or his grand grandkid. But I, I used to see him on, like, if I was going through the channels, he would be on um, Bill Maher's show. And then, of course, the biggest... Most notable customer that we had at at the Princeton store was Peter Benchley, uh, author of Jaws. Yeah. And I had heard stories that, you know, oh, Benchley's a customer here, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So when I started working down there in 2005, after the the Clinton store had closed, they kept me on and brought me down to Princeton. We had a few posters behind the counter, and one of them, and and these were the, uh, the, from the early 80s, the Topps trading card bubblegum movie posters, and there was like, You know, there was like Jaws, uh, one of the Pink Panther movies, Animal House, Star Wars, Rocky. And we had the Rocky one and the Jaws one behind the counter. And Benchley had signed the Jaws one. So every time I would come in there, I'd be like, whoa, that's so cool. And at first I was like, I'm never going to get to see him. And he had actually come in when they put out, what was it? I think it was probably 2005. So it would have been the 30th anniversary version of Jaws on dvd and he had signed a bunch of copies for us and of course for us to sell you know and for whatever reason i wasn't there the day that he came in um, but i had grabbed one i grabbed like the last one we had and i at the time gave it to my girlfriend as a as a gift you know we were on again off again long distance and of course we broke up and i was like ah but now we're married and so you
11: You got it it back
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly but it was great because you know everyone was like is is that legit because it's shrink wrapped and it's like yeah we he signed it and then we put it in shrink wrap and put a little sticker on it signed by peter benchley you know and you know so i keep it in the shrink wrap but i did get to meet him he came in unfortunately shortly before he passed he was really sick with with cancer and he was going to um i guess he was going out of town for you know, some sort of um, uh, vacation or, you know, hospital stay or something. And he was renting a bunch of stuff and he didn't look like I remembered him. So I was kind of like, whoa, and I was talking to him and I, you know, deleted all the late fees and basically so he would, you know, keep them as long as he needed to, because I knew he was going to be away for a while. You know, obviously when I pulled the account up and I saw Benchley, I was like, oh, okay, this is him. And I figured, because his whole family, I think had accounts with us. You know, and it was one of those moments where I didn't, you know, fanboy or punish him and be like, oh my God, I love all your work and blah, 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 blah. It was just, you know, me and him just having a moment and zeroing out his charges basically and, you know, take care, enjoy the films and Godspeed, you know.
11: What was the most ridiculous thing that customers would do
4: or complain about? The most ridiculous thing a customer would do or complain about, like I said, about the late fees, you know, they would purposely bring back. So I felt with a five-day return policy, that was pretty lenient, you know, compared to other rental stores and the fact that people would still bring it back 10, 15, 20 days late. You know, that was always kind of interesting. I'm like, you know, guys, you have way more days here than any place else. How come you're still having issues bringing it back? Oh, I lost it. This and you know, that kind of stuff. So um, one complaint, a kid called up. And he says, I want to return this. Um this uh, Star Wars video game because it's too much like another game that I rented last week and thinking about any policies for returns like we, we couldn't accept that as a reason to exchange or, or whatever so it was just like yeah you can't really do that just because it's too similar to another game that you rented before uh, there was nothing wrong with it it wasn't broken nothing like that so um so that was definitely kind of like huh that's that's
3: weird I think it was probably getting free shit. that became the biggest problem where some of these people were a bit well-known or in the neighborhood or they had been coming to the store forever so you know they wanted us to kind of waive their late fees you know what i'm saying that was honestly probably where the most arguments disagreements and weird stuff happened you tell someone you know you got a five dollar late fee you think you could take care of that Oh, come on. I've been renting here for 20, you know, and I said, well, if we, you know, unfortunately, you do want us to stay in business, right? Like you've heard of, uh, back then Netflix was deep, was in the mail, right? It came out like, a, I think a few years after I was working there, it became more popular. It's like, you heard of Netflix, you know? You go, oh, come on, get me the manager or blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, and I'd be like, you're not really going to cause a scene, are you, man? I mean, come on. But that's probably it you know every we get drunk people on thursday and friday and have to kick them out of the store but um mostly pete worked on the weekends and pete didn't put up with bullshit. we just wanted to blast punk rock watch like uh rock documentaries and and um and concerts and have fun and then keep the store open late we, or we would close the store at like you know, whatever, it closed at 10 o'clock, but we'd all stay there until like two o'clock in the morning, partying, just letting people in. I can say this now, but. <laughs> <laughs> but we, Statute I'm, of limitations. Yeah. But we would party, man, you know? We would stay and hang out.
8: The earliest one I can remember is this guy came in and I was just started. Like, I was only been there like, like two or three months. And I think it's like, during the day, this guy comes in and says, I want to see the manager right now. <laughs> and so uh, and I guess it was about I got a phone call because like we would get a list that had people that had like really big late fees and we would have to call them and say hey you know you have a uh, $25 $30 late fee on your account you know and so like this guy's like I got a call for like $30 I owe $30 and uh, I returned that movie and we're like uh, well what movie was it something I don't know blah 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 so we would type it up and uh, say well uh, it says that you have not returned it (laughs) and uh, they were like what I did return it and uh, one guy said "He said, I know you can pull up this movie I built the computer system that you're working on (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like yeah buddy sure you sure you did (laughs) and uh, we would have other people like there was this one guy I remember that he always had a late fee every time he'd come in there was a late fee for something different Every movie, and, and he always would try to dispute the late fee. I'm like, oh god, I gotta deal with this guy again. And so I come up there, and I'm like, you know, you know, you have a uh, five dollar and fifty cent late fee. What? What for that? And I'm just like, oh god, please. <laughs>
11: Did you ever see anybody actually get their membership revoked for late fees? Because that's always kind of the, the threat, right? It's if you don't pay it and it just gets bigger and bigger, like we're, we're going to have to just end your membership. But did that ever actually happen?
8: No, I never really encountered that. We would have some people that like had late fees for like $50, $60, because eventually wow. when they didn't return the movie, it would charge you the full price of the movie. Like It would go two weeks and the movie wasn't returned. Eventually, you would just get charged for the whole price of the movie. So that's how, like, if somebody had three movies and they didn't return them, we're talking like eighty nine dollars on their account. And we never really like suspended accounts. I never remember, like, revoking anybody's accounts. They would just not pay it and it would just, I don't know, if it would, like, go into collections or something. I don't know, you know, how that, I can't remember how that worked.
10: Regular customers were usually not that bad. The biggest problems that we would usually have was because of late rentals. Every once in a while, as far as our policy, when it comes to becoming a member, you had to be eighteen. Well, a lot. Well, we also had a deal where like whoever signed it, and this is going to play into the the adult stuff. Whoever made the the membership was the primary, and then everybody else was added on. So like if uh, you know if i had gotten the membership and then you know like my wife was on it she wouldn't be the primary she'd be a secondary so it was one of those things where only i would be able to actually get rental history and stuff like that kids were put on it a lot of times and usually they were like if they were under 18 there would be restrictions on what they could uh, they could rent but the parents could take those restrictions off as well now what that's supposed to mean is Because the thing is, you had to be 21 to rent adult videos. It wasn't 18, it was 21. And so what that meant is that a lot of times, you know, a 16-year-old kid that was on someone's account would come in and rent, wouldn't be the adult stuff, but they would rent some of the softcore stuff that was out on the main floor, uh, probably some – Oh, what's her name? Married to Gene Simmons. Uh, <laughs> oh, Shannon Tweed <laughs> Shannon, probably some, Yeah, probably some Shannon Tweed movies or something like that, you <laughs> know, and like, you know, that kind of stuff. So I had to one time, I remember in particular, there was a whole situation where this kid was on two different accounts. He was on his parents account and he was also on his grandmother's account because apparently she had custody of him or something. And so it was one of those things that the parents had like restricted into where he couldn't rent anything above like PG-13, but the grandmother hadn't. And so he she he came in and rented like some one of those movies, and then I have to deal with her coming back later and wanting to know who did it and, and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, look, he's on the account. I have no, you have no, you've put no restrictions on here. So therefore, yeah, I guess I could have, but it's not my job to to parent this kid, you know, type stuff. So dealing with that was always fun.
9: The video stores made money on late fees and like my dad was terrible about it. It was not uncommon for us to go into a video store and pay a $40 late fee. Um, <laughs> he didn't throw a fit about it. He paid it. And you, you know, you have say 75% of the customers do that too. They would just pay their late fee or if they're really kind to us, a lot of times we just wipe the late fee off. You know, if you were just really nice, it was just, it was no big deal for me to wipe it off. But then you always have that small section of customers who were, Habitually late, would always run up crazy late fees and then would just throw a fit and argue. You know, they would just flat out lie, Oh, I turned this in earlier, oh this I didn't turn it in that day, or oh this, 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 this and they would just drive you a little nuts. You just sit there and be like, We just had this conversation last Friday night when you were in a new release and turned it four days late. You know, it's like I know that you're doing this, just pay your late fee.
6: Customers hated when they started the registration process, which I thought took a long time because you know I had to do everything by hand. You couldn't just swipe a card and go. Uh, they hated that we had something called Video Guard. And Video Guard was essentially a self-insurance program. So we would take, if people didn't have a credit card on file that they would leave with us, then if they were just a cash paying customer, they had to subscribe to this Video Guard, which was essentially like a pretty hefty deposit. And then if we didn't get the movies back, then we would just eat it. And then the the self-insurance would just kick in. But if they wanted to pay cash, they didn't
11: want to pay more cash in advance for that. Right,
6: because you know it's a level of trust, right? You send somebody out the door with a $90 tape, you hope it comes back.
7: So one thing that always bugged me about Blockbuster, and I think about customer service in general,
6: is If someone
7: had a late fee or a problem with you as a customer service representative, they just felt that they could fly off the handle at you and you became suddenly a human punching bag and if someone had a late fee and you know so like oh my god you know i can't believe this you know that's ridiculous you know that you know check again or i want to talk to your manager and then and then here's the worst part you'd be like hey i'm doing my job you owe this money hey you you gotta do it this is what i'm told to tell you and then they'd be like let me talk to your manager you'd be like okay you'd go to your manager And you say, hey, manager, I'm doing my job. This guy owes money. And then the manager will walk over and go, oh, I'm so sorry. Here's your money back. (laughs) You know, like this customer service rep, he's a jerk. You know, he's just trying to give you a hard time, you know, (laughs) throw you under the bus. That's what it would feel like, you know, and it wasn't meant to be that way. They were just trying to, like, you know, smooth over the situation or make, you know, customer service happen and just, you know, get rid of the problem. But it always made you look like a big jerk. Like, you just looked like you were trying to give them a hard time because they were the managers were the only ones with the power to to uh, supersede that. So you had to do your job. You could never you know give it to them ever you could never you could never give them any leeway you had to hold fast to that until they got angry enough to to call the manager over so it was just kind of a weird gray area that always bothered me it was just like well Do you want us to tell people they have late fees or not if you're going to waive them every time someone throws a pin? So I think ultimately that was that that I think caused me more problems than anything else working at the store. I think just sometimes the tricky
9: stuff that people would do, like occasionally we'd have people that would not want to pay the price for a new release movie. So they would go grab a vhs tape in say you know an old movie say top gun or something that would cost a dollar 99 to rent versus the 399 new release and they would like swap the tape you know so you would you would get this copy of castaway and it have top gun in it and you're like why is this here and, you know and it's because these customers would intentionally swap the tape so they could rent it at a cheaper price uh which always was just mind-blowing um the good thing was you know we actually would check the tapes when they got returned, and before we checked them out. So most of the time we bought it, um, but it, it was just crazy how the people would try to save that couple extra bucks.
6: It was the ones where you couldn't purchase the tapes that you know they wanted you to. You know they they wanted you to be the, their um, collection artist, whatever. Meaning, you know you would go buy that tape, and it would be a ninety dollar tape, but uh, it would only rent twice, maybe. And so then they complain about that. The other thing was uh, customers that had a, a pretty narrow niche. And one thing I, I sort of um, latched onto was sort of the firearms, like the, the bird and, and um, deer hunting kind of thing. Oh. We have a lot of those in this marketplace. What was funny is when the, the video seller was calling, this guy was so sophisticated. He's like, well, you know, this is a, you know, a, a gold star. Like it's going to have three kills in it. And it's going to have, it's almost like selling a Ted Nugent tape. I mean, it was <laughs> so funny, <laughs> That's awesome. but the, you know, so on the consumer side, you know, those people were pretty ravenous too. They're like, well, when's this next guy coming out with his movie? I'm like, I don't know.
11: Were there any regular customers that were quirky or maybe you tried to avoid for one reason or another?
4: I didn't try to avoid any customers. Our registers were right at the front of the building. And so you had to pass all of us to um, to get to the films and the, and the games and stuff like that. So we created a kind of a pretty good rapport with everybody coming in and we sort of started knowing folks by even their voice on the phone. We knew what they liked, we knew what they didn't like, we knew what favorite directors they had and favorite actors. And when a new film would come out featuring that kind of combination, we'd keep them in mind. So in a weird way, they were like extended family. So. I sort of miss that part amongst other things about going to video stores, is that if you can have a good relationship between staff and customer, it's really just an extension of of uh, the business, but it's, it's like a family, to quote Vin Diesel, uh, family, you know, and that's definitely is a missing component now with all the streaming nowadays, I love all the stuff that they have available, it's hard to believe for someone who worked in the video store back in the day that someday, not too far later, we would have this kind of a thing at our fingertips, but there's still something so much missing about just being able to peruse and check stuff out, pick stuff up and, and look what's on the back. Sometimes you find your very favorite movie or favorite game just by picking something up in the store and going, huh, looking at the cover, like I said, and just really kind of going, okay, this is good. And then that's why I really feel like there's sort of been this attachment to, to this video store idea. And you guys know more than anybody with rental return. You guys know this undying love for that kind of thing.
2: I know we had one customer who was tight with the owner. And so... Every new movie we got, he rented that night. So we would have to have a small pile hidden away for when he showed up on Tuesdays. Oh. To get every, and I know he duped him, you know, because there's no way he sat there and watched, you know, six or seven movies in 24 hours and got him back to us. Because he yeah. did get him back to us the next day. So I was like, you know, I know what you're up to.
8: We had this one guy come in there and... Um he would always be like, "Man, you got that Boston Up?" And the, the Boston Up is a movie that had Snoop Dogg, and it was like a to video movie. And we never really had it; like, we only had like one copy. It was like, "Man, I'm looking for that Boston Up, man. Where's that?" Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, every time he came in, I said, uh, "No, we don't have Boston Up. I'm sorry." <laughs> like before he even like walked in his door.
5: <laughs> we had one guy who got the nickname "Scary Poster Guy" from some of the other employees, because I guess he spent one night asking a lot of questions about what we did with the posters when we were done with them. Normally, we would just either give them to employees or give them away, but he just seemed very, very intent and concerned about what we did with the posters, because I guess there were some of them that he wanted. But he would come in, he, were, he rented frequently, Yeah, you know, he wasn't a, a bad or creepy
4: guy or anything.
11: Were there any particular days at the store that are just ingrained in your
4: memory? A lot of the staff, like I said, was our age. But there was a time where the managers really kind of became very hands-off. Some of the original managers had left. And so I like to say the inmates started running the asylum. Everyone running the store was basically between 17 and 19, basically. So you had a very, very loose kind of environment where, yes, they ran the business, but they it was much more relaxed and probably too relaxed, to be honest with you, because things got a little messy and, you know, you have a whole group of stores run by folks of this age you know but i remember uh you know, some of those days you know visiting like some of my classmates would come in with me after school and we'd walk together and we're just seeing how much fun it seemed when when the other people were, were running the store so that was kind of something that
3: was always ingrained in my memory it probably was the day that quentin tarantino came in on a date with sophia coppola <laughs> really i mean come on that's like movie history in front of you right like that's, I mean, not only is she a great director, but it's Francis Ford Coppola's daughter, right? And she ruined Godfather 3, too. And here she is in the store. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? like, And Tarantino, he came in all the time. But that was funny because we could all tell how nervous he was. Like, he's a nervous dude, you know? I mean, that thing where he's like, yeah, yeah you know, I saw and he just kind of talks like that. Right. That's real and it's more real when he's in front of you and that was probably the day because i also had a copy of my movie that we had just finished editing a movie called smokers not a big one we made it on dv uh uh, we're gonna put on youtube soon it used to be on amazon or whatever but he had inspired certain shots in it and i um had it on VHS a copy that I had just burned onto there off final cut to like I don't even remember why I put it on a VHS but I did and I ran it it was the only time I did this I'm making fun of people but it's the only time I did it I waited until he left the store I walked calmly down the street walked up to him and said hey Quentin I didn't want to bother you in the store but I made a movie, and you helped inspire it. Here it is, man. If you ever get a chance, check it out. And he got the biggest smile on his face, gave me a big handshake. He's like, oh, you know what? Don't even, don't feel weird about this, man. We're Hey, we're all doing our thing. Thank you. I appreciate it. You gave me something to watch. And he was like, I'll see you next time. And then I just walked back to the store. And um, that was kind of a cool day because it humanized it but it was a rare day that i remember because it was one of the rare days working there where i did kind of feel like a fan you know what i mean yeah it felt good to feel that way i think if you live in new york or if you live in like hollywood or whatever and you're used to seeing a lot of famous or celebrity people you do develop a bit of you don't look at people you leave people alone you know what i mean You don't fawn over them um it's that's kind of not the cool thing to do and especially if you're in the business but i got to be a little bit of a fan that day which i never got to be at the store because i really did not want to come off like not only did i not want to come off like that but it wasn't my attitude i wasn't too worried about coming off that way because it really wasn't my attitude my attitude was all right they're coming in to get a movie just like me
2: I got a call from somebody working at one of the other branches and somehow they had severely cut their hand on a box knife when they were cutting open a box, you know, one of those box cutter knives. And they were bleeding really hard and there was no one else there and she couldn't get a hold of her manager. And I basically had to tell her because the owner wasn't there. Nobody, I mean, it was in the morning. And I just told her, you need to just lock the door and go get that taken care of. And I said to her, I said, if there's any fallout, blame me, please. There was no fallout, luckily. But it was just that feeling of, you know, how can you work in a place by yourself? You need somebody else there. Especially because, I mean, I, I've had friends who worked at video stores that were robbed at gunpoint with two people. Oh, wow. You can only imagine one person working there and what's going to happen. Uh, luckily, we, we didn't do enough business that anyone thought we would be worth robbing. <laughs> <laughs>
8: I remember one night, it was a uh, Friday night, I was working the floor, I wasn't on register at this time, and my store manager was there that night. And what we would do was sometimes we'd grab like a couple bags of popcorn and we'd go back there and we'd pop it and put it in like little cups and when people walked in they could have popcorn, you know, and, and eat that. And so um, I'm getting the uh, popcorn ready, so I grabbed the bag. We had to go, like we had like a bathroom or we had just our uh, storage room and we had a bathroom and stuff for us. So, the microwave was back there. So, I had to walk all the way back there to get to the microwave. And so, when I put the bag in the microwave, I had never really used the microwave. I always bought my lunch, and I never really used the microwave. So, um, I put the bag in the microwave, and my store manager said, just hit the popcorn button on the microwave, and that'll be long enough to pop it. So, I hit the popcorn button, and it only said, like, a minute. I'm like, well, this is a big bag. I said, it's not going uh, to take longer than a minute to pop this. So, I... I put it on for three minutes, and I walk out the door, and I go to get the cart to put the uh, cups on, so I can put the popcorn in the cups, and so as I go get the cart, as I'm coming back, I start to smell smoke. Oh. I was like, oh my god, and so I hurry, I open up the door, because, like, the door would lock automatically when uh you shut it, so I had to get the key, open the key, and then all of a sudden... Pfft, it was like, all oh, this smoke started coming. I'm like, Jeff. That was my storm name. Jeff. Jeff, get up here. This bags on fire. <laughs> so, the bag, we got it. And it was just like, the bag, it, it didn't catch on fire, but there was so much smoke. And the whole place just smelled like popcorn smoke. Yeah, the burnt night.
11: popcorn. There's so many offices where they outlaw microwave popcorn because people burn it. And I, I was just thinking, you know, how Blockbuster was so associated with, with that buttered popcorn smell, you know, when you'd walk in, a lot of people say, "Oh yeah, the smell of the the microwave popcorn." You could smell it through the bag, and there you were ruining it. Now they're gonna, always going to associate it with the smoky, burnt popcorn.
8: Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. And Jeff was like, "Didn't I tell you to put the press the pot? I said, it only said a minute." I'm like, "I didn't know this was like some kind of like industrial microwave." <laughs>
1: the biggest one would be 9/11. When that happened, I was in school. You know, we got let out of school early that day and, you know, my mom worked nearby, so we stopped and saw my mom and, you know, it was it was an emotional day, obviously, and, and my friend and I from school went and, you know, we got some lunch and then, you know, we went and saw my mom and, you know, hugged and sort of cried because we didn't know what was going on in the world at that time. And for whatever reason, and at this point, I had been working at the Clinton store for just over a year. I immediately went to the store and just went and Terry was working there and I guess people were coming in from next door, from the from the um, from the laundromat, um, telling him, you know, giving him updates on on uh, what was going on and what was on the news. And, and I was like, dude, I was like, I'll come in, I'll work, because I can't do anything else. You know, I just want to be in here, do something familiar. You go, make phone calls, catch up with your family, do everything, go hug your family, that sort of thing. And I pretty much watched Rocky Four on repeat because I just needed that sort of you know, America kind of (laughs) oomph, you know? Yeah. So that day stood out. But then there was another day at the Princeton store where I was basically there for probably 24 hours where we had a regular day working and then I stayed overnight and we painted and we took all the racks down off the walls and we had the front door open because it was, you know, for the summertime. And like I said, 24 hours in this video store, you know, nonstop. And then I went, I, I think I went home and slept and then I came back to work later. But being there at night and people driving up and, like, yeah, you guys open? No, no, we're not open. But, you know, if you have returns, you can drop them off and we'll take them. But in seeing the seeing the store basically bare, because we would take everything off the walls, take all the racks down and, you know, they were all bolted into the walls, take all this down, paint everything and then put them back up piece by piece as we moved along through the store painting it. And it was... It was hectic and i think there was actually maybe two days if i remember where we did that maybe two weekends or something but it was it was nutty
9: the day that always comes to mind when i think about uh eventful days uh was 9 11. um i actually worked that evening oh, wow. and so I, I i didn't go to school that day my truck had broke down and you know you turn on the news and so i didn't go to school but i did have a five to midnight you know shift so i went to work and it was a like ghost town. I mean, it was, there's like nobody. And, and, and that was so unusual. Um, they had to let us turn a TV on at, at the front counter where we could actually watch the news. And, you know, just hours went by where there was nothing to do. You know, nobody's returning tapes. Nobody's walking in. And we're just sitting there. And sometime I'd say around 730 or 8 and walks this guy. And he opens the front door. He goes through it. He stops. And he's just got like tears in his eyes of frustration and everything and he's like just hand me a movie you know and and it's it's an odd request you know (laughs) when when you're you know in a video store that you just walked into and i don't have any ready right there at the counter And and i'm like excuse me and he's just like i don't care what you hand me he's like i can't watch the news anymore just give me something and check me out And I was just like, okay, you know, and so there was something on the other side of the counter that I grabbed. I don't even remember what it was. Uh, He didn't care. And he took the movie and walked out. And that was our only customer that night.
6: Well, when we opened our Muskegon store, so Muskegon is on the lake shore just north of Holland on Lake Michigan. And um, we had planned for a soft opening. We thought, okay, we're gonna open on a Wednesday and hardly anybody will come in. We weren't doing any promotion. We thought we'll get ready for Friday and that'll be our big day. So we opened the doors at 11 o'clock and we were grossly underprepared. I didn't expect to see the onslaught of people coming in. And people were like at the door ready to come in like they're banging like, please let us in. You know, (laughs) this was such a new creature for them. And so, you know, we opened the doors and like, okay, it's game time. This is what we rehearsed for. We're, you know, cast and, you know, we're characters in, a, in their play. And so we got through that, but I thought, boy, this, and these, you know, these are hardworking blue collar people, you know, so a $3 rental for them is a big deal. And so, you know, they were just so excited to participate in something that was nationally recognized.
11: Interesting. Is there a particular film that you recall just being like everybody always requesting this film? It was always out because everybody just rented it nonstop.
6: See, I would hate to use Pretty Woman ad nauseum, but that, I mean, we rode that one like crazy. In fact, I think after our initial buy, because I think we had 2530 on the shelf, after the first two weekends, we're like, let's buy some more and see what we can do with this. And that never happened. We never would go back to the well to buy more, because, you know, you also, if if you don't hit the crest of the the wave just right, you know, you could also lose money on it.
5: There was one night
6: and I had switched with another guy
5: because he needed the night off and I didn't have anything to do. So I was like, yeah, I'll work the shift for you. And it turned out the other person that was working that night was also relatively new. And they were a little uncomfortable leaving the two new people as the only ones working at the store. So but things went okay. You know, we got everything done, we got everything checked out, and then we managed to to set the alarm and lock up okay. And then there was another night where it just seemed everybody had returned their movies at once. We had the, the return drop box and the way that the store was set up, it was open all the time so people could just put it through the slot. And we just I remember I must have typed in and checked in over a hundred video cassettes in about a, a 30 to 40 minute span. And once I got all caught up, I just, I wanted to lay down on the floor and just go to sleep. But, and then we had to shelve them all again, put them back out so more people could rent them. But that was, uh, that was the only real tough night. Other than that, it was a great place to work. And I, I really enjoyed it.
7: You know what? It's kind of like more of a cumulative experience in my brain. It, it, it was kind of all like, I remember it was very positive. The one thing, and I know this is really silly, but I remember I quit just because the manager changed. And she wasn't that bad. You know, I, I remember at the time I was all complaining, like, oh, it's not the same manager as before. I'm mad. I'm a. I'm a kid, and I remember like looking back on it. I'm like, she really wasn't so bad. She was just a new manager. Like there was really like, she wasn't mean or rude or like, the uh, stuffy or pushy or anything. It was just not the guy that was there before her. I think his name was Jamal. He was a really nice guy, and he left to to go work at a bank. I remember, <laughs> but uh he's moving up in the world. But yeah, you know, that was, I think, you know, the turning point for me was once the manager changed for whatever reason to me, it just wasn't fun anymore. And I just wanted to move on at that point, even though I probably should have stuck around. It wasn't such a bad situation.
0: a preview of the next episode coming up on Rental Return Season 2. Do you have any wild stories about
11: staff shenanigans?
9: I was professional on my job. We, we did a great job of getting the store closed and everything, but, you know, boys will be boys. So one of the things that we had slowly begun to do to each other was throw pins at each other.
6: The shenanigans that I would see would be when um, employees would go on their lunch break and do crazy stuff outside the store, like... You know, watch me do a burnout in my, you know, hot rod car and stuff like that. I remember we used to do fun stuff when there was no one around. They used to, like, teach all of us how to
4: do something called the Matrix Run, which was, I mean, that movie was obviously huge at the time. And there's a sequence where they put their hand on the ground and run off the wall. So one of our staff members was teaching all of us how to do that, how to run full force, put her hand on the floor and run off the wall. Rental Return is
0: created by Adam Pope and produced by Jason Gross in association with The Retro Network. Connect with our Season 2 Video Heroes on social media by finding the links in today's show notes. Also follow TRN Social on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram to see pictures of our Video Heroes in action back in the day. If you're a former video store employee and want to chronicle your experience for an upcoming season of Rental Return, connect with Adam Pope on Twitter at Toju Coolander or email them at hojucoolander at gmail.com. Links also provided in today's show notes. Avoid late fees by subscribing to Rental Return in your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to share your membership with a friend or family member. Discover more retro podcasts by visiting theretronetwork.com forward slash podcasts. Join us next time for another episode of Rental Return, Tales from the Video Store.